welcome to uh, from the rookery. Uh, we are here at the uh, Watford Norwich game, League Cup third round. Uh, as always, uh, these podcasts uh, are our take on a, a life as a Watford fan. We are three lifelong Watford fans. Steve, take a hold of the rookery, and with me is uh, Mike. He's a catchy and you know it. Happy hands. He's a catchy and you know it. Happy hands. He's a catchy and you know it. And he really wants to know it. He's a catchy and you know it. Clap your hands. And, and Jason. Yeah, I'm not going to break into song. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, we are start watching the game. Uh, so if we do break off, that, that'll be why. Jason, we, we, we're, we're watching this League Cup game, third round, Norwich City, the Premier League side. How important is this game going to be? How important is this for Watford this season? You'd like to think, so is this a test for what we might come up against should we go up this season? But then we're playing players that haven't, or for whatever reason, one reason or another, aren't getting into the first league first team. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a funny situation. You're not sure whether how important it is for us playing a Premier League team in the context of the players that are actually playing against them. Okay, well, the, the, the players here, Mark, you know, there's, there's you know, several out here aren't, aren't getting a regular uh, games as. as Jason said uh, for them this is, a, this is a big big evening for some of them I think, well I think because they'll be very very keen to play and they'll be keen to show A the supporters and B Gianfranco what they can do but uh, as we were having a chat before, before kick off and I think running through the team it doesn't look like a team of, it doesn't look like a second string certainly any one of this 11 would probably get into another championship squad quite easily uh, and a lot of the players that Watford are bringing in these days wouldn't view themselves as underdogs in a game like this. You know, they're playing Norwich City, they're playing a Premier League club, but, you know, if Belcolm there at the back, Farioni, Fabrini, Acuna, they don't see themselves as second-tier footballers. No. They see themselves as, as, as top-tier footballers, i.e. Premier League players. So I think they'll... I'm really interested to see how they'll perform tonight. I don't think they'll see it as... Um, they won't be daunted in the slightest. They'll see this lot as equals, and um, I'm really keen to see how they get on. And it, what, what an absolute joy it is to name a side like this um, and people will look at it and say well you know that's, all, that's not, not reserved you can never say that about players of this quality but it's, uh, it's, not, the, it's not your regular side and Chase is absolutely right um, Jan Franco's got a real job on his hands keeping everyone fresh keeping everyone wanting to play for the shirt he said he wants no one to feel comfortable and I love that I absolutely love that one of the boys who uh, is, is getting a chance he doesn't get to play more often is, is Jonathan Bond we're going to chat to him at the end of the podcast we've got to speak to him after the last League Cup game against Bournemouth but also we have to look at, back at the last month of, of games against Blackpool against Charlton Doncaster and Barnsley uh, and also we'll be saying goodbye to an old friend a podcast made by Watford fans for Watford fans from the rookery end well, in between us uh, doing the opening and uh, the second bit, uh, Watford have got a 1 0 up, Jason. They have, and Mr. Acuna scored his first competitive goal for the Hornets. Some people lovely, people lovely, yeah, lovely turn and finish uh, after a good bit of work by Fabrini. Um, yeah, good to see them to uh, work in another chance coming up here. Oh, no, horrible. So, Mike, we, we find ourselves uh, fifth in the, in the championship, only one defeat uh, yep. at Blackpool, with the highest goal scorers, 19 goals we scored, and we've had some amazing memorable games already this season we've had you know, Bournemouth 6-1 at home Reading 3-3 away and, and Barnsley this recent game 5-1 away 
Are you satisfied with what you've found? Well, I think it's uh, satisfied is an interesting way of putting it. I don't think you can ever be truly satisfied until you've achieved something. But I always want another M&M out of the packet. Well, I don't mean all. Although I'm off chocolate this month, so um, I'm going to need a massive bag of M&Ms next month. But so it's hard to feel satisfied until you finish the job. I think we know what the job is. We're obviously not there yet. So I'm going to rephrase the question: Am I enjoying it? Um, is it is it good yeah. fun? Are you, are you finding it um, rewarding? Absolutely impossible not to. It's 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 just fabulous. It's um, it's genuinely genuinely exciting. What what's happening at Watford at the moment is is undoubtedly a work in progress. We haven't seen this this team click because the, the team is changing a lot. Uh, we're facing different challenges in different teams each week. Um, so every every week every game is very very different. Uh, and all, a lot of people are complaining that, that what we haven't turned in that sort of 90 minute perfect performance yet but I find that utterly utterly thrilling because it's going to happen yeah we, yeah we, you know we've, as mentioned at the start the sort of standard of player we've got our supposed second string is, is phenomenal and you know one they're going to oh play. no oh slight, slight defensive error there as, <laughs> I, as I've labelled out <laughs> the job yeah, yeah. But, you know, we will get there, and we're working towards it, and that's the feeling I've got, that everything's bubbling along nicely. Bubbling um, along. Yeah, along. Ah! Um, as I keep talking, Watford have probably committed more mistakes than they have done <laughs> in the, uh, the entire game, so maybe, maybe I ought to be quiet. Um, but it's just, it's chicken over, and it's just, it's bubbling under, it's simmering, and you just, you know you're on the cusp every time you come to Watford. You feel that something special is happening, there's something in the air, there's expectation, um, and it's impossible not to enjoy it. And the expectation, though, that's, that's the annoying thing, I think, in general, when you hear the Twitter, the fan, they sort of, their expectation's too high. Yeah, I mean, you can hear behind me there, there's a, a you know, shout of frustration, and I, and I do understand that, because these great players have come in, we know what the goal is, we know what, we know what we're, the plan is, and that is to get promoted. But it's not going to happen overnight, and it won't happen without any effort, and probably without any heartache. And I think people, this is a minority, especially in social media, Twitter and Facebook, yeah, yeah. and on phones and so on. There have been sort of grumblings, moanings about, you know, the team isn't playing as well as I thought they were, um, some of the players aren't doing as well as I expected. And so on and so forth. And I think, oh, come on, you know, we need to. The players need time to bed in. We've mentioned that they haven't had a, well, but haven't had a settled team. We haven't picked the same team very often. And these players, it's a big culture shock coming over to a new club, new teammates, and playing in the championship is difficult. Very, very difficult. So it's going to take time for them to bed in. It's a long-term plan. It's happening. It may happen slower than a lot of people originally anticipated, but savour it. It's like a Sunday roast. <laughs> you go to the shops, you buy all the bits, you think all oh, those potatoes are going to be nice. I've got some goose fat to do them in, that'll be nice. Uh, I'm going to do some Yorkshire puddings, I'm not going to buy Aunt Besties, I'm going to make my own batter, that's going to take a bit of time. Gravy, sprouts, all this sort of stuff. It takes time, you've got to go to the shops, you've got to prepare it, you've got to clean your kitchen, make sure you've got the right utensils, cook it, and blah, blah. it takes ages, but then you sit down and eat it, it's worth it. Does that make sense? It does make sense. I'm very hungry now. Jason, you know, we, we, you, you could say that, that we, we lost the game. How, let's say, over the last month of football, these great games that we've had, how has, what has changed, you think? Well, <laughs> over, the, over the last month, yeah. um, it's funny, you can, you can look at each individual game, bit by bit, starting on, let's say, starting at Blackpool with the, the first defeat of the season, um, 1-0 we started well in that game we were on top we didn't take our chances they bring their superstar off the bench score the winner and we're down on our luck yeah. so we're feeling a bit sorry for ourselves 
the next league game is uh, and also I think the fact that the game right before the break it was so really yeah it's quite quite hard that you want it you want when you lose a game Oh, when you win a game, you want to you want to keep that mental game. When you lose a game, you want to get back on the pitch and make things right. And have to wait two weeks. Then came the Charlton game. Difficult performance, and it? it wasn't it wasn't the best of best of games. Ugly uh, well, from Charlton, and then it was an ugly game. Yeah, and we, we sort of it disrupted us, and, yeah. and we struggled, uh, and we struggled to get a, a one all draw at home to a team that haven't started the season well. You then go to Tuesday, Doncaster. Again, not great, but we get a bit of luck. The penalty at the end, and all of a sudden things have turned around. We've been desperate for. Actually, we had the, the draws before before this month as well, um, and we hadn't won for a while. And it took a bit of luck for us to get a, a win in the bag again. And all of a sudden we're feeling confident again. Straight into Saturday, we're at a dispirited Barnsley side, and we tear them apart. And <laughs> it's a, there's a lot to be said for, for things going your way, isn't it? Oh yes, and because the championship is such a, a tight competition, I, I, I think it's even more so in that division. It, we, the, the quality of the players that have been out on the pitch for us over those four games hasn't changed. We've played well and lost. <laughs> we played not so well and won. Yeah. Um, so the biggest thing that changed was the, the sort of the luck and the momentum that we've had throughout the period of game, the period of games let's look at yeah, let's look, we're, we're you know we're a, you know, a year into this uh, let's put Fotso project how are we different from how, how, how much we progressed in the last year do you think from September last year I think we've progressed a lot and that's because the difference from where we were last year to a few months before is a lot greater than the difference from where we are now to where we were this time last year. There's a hell of a lot to be said for having a stable squad. And yes, again, we've brought in a, a fair few players, but we've got the core of the regular players from Udinese and Granada that played last season. And I think that's a, a, a big thing in, in professional football. You don't have to bring in loads and loads of players because it, it does disrupt the team. And if you've got a, a more stable squad, uh, and certainly a more stable starting eleven, top quality players, then uh, I think that that works well. See, the biggest difference I think from last season, from this season to last season, is the fact that the backup, what we're seeing out here tonight, the bench is a lot more stronger than it was this time last season. Now I've got two things to add there. Jason definitely meant that. You should have seen the amount of hand <laughs> movements. Deliberate. They're all absolutely incredible. He meant that. He absolutely meant that. Um, and you, you mentioned the Charlton game. I think that was really interesting for me because that, that was quite a tough watch. Um, but Charlton reminded me and should really remind us of how far we've come and, and what almost an embarrassment of riches we have as a football club now. You know, Charlton are very limited with their, with their squad and they did what they had to do to get something out of the game. It reminded me of, of watching Watford, you know, times gone by, you know, and perhaps A.D. Boothroyd where we had to, um, use, you know, use, use the little we had as, as best we could. So that was frustrating to watch, yes, but also a reminder of A, how tough championship football is and B, how quickly... Um, what would have changed and what we expect of them. There's a goal to tell you about that a lot of people would have this down as a home banker. Didn't start that way, but it's looking that way now. Johnny Phillips. There's unbelievable scenes here at Vicarage Road, Jeff. Watford are playing amazingly. You're listening to From the Rookery End. Now we've seen a few games this season. Who of the new boys has impressed you? Who's you know, starting to cement their place in the starting eleven? Mike, Jason always shouts in at these bits, so... 
I'll let you go first this time. Which one, which one of the new boys is really impressing you? I'm going to go for the mighty, the majestic, the magisterial Gabriel Angela. Ah, okay. He is. Um, well, we've mentioned we mentioned earlier in the podcast some of the some of the players taking a bit of taking a bit of time to um, to adjust to championship life. He's one who has just slotted in. He looks like he was born to play football and born to play in a yellow shirt, which is absolutely terrific. Absolutely composed at the back, um, wins towering headers. Um, absolutely, with a great save from Jonathan Bond there. Let's, let's interview him. He might have something interesting to say. <laughs> um, he, he's great at the back, calm, cool, and composed. And we, we spoke to um, we spoke to Marco Cassetti. He, he told of his love for, for starting moves, so for playing the ball out of defence. Angela is perfectly happy doing that. But my, my favourite thing about him is his threat from from goal piece, from uh, from set pieces. He scored a couple of goals already this year, and while he's got a quite a modern player in, much, in as much as he's a he's a footballing defender, if you like, he's really old-fashioned in, in as much as his his real old-fashioned threat that he poses from set pieces and corners, thundering forward and meet, perfectly timing his run to to head the ball and. Uh, it's just a joy to watch. He's sort of, he's like modern football all rolled into one. I absolutely love it. My favourite one has got to be uh, David Ferroni, or as I like to call him, Dave Ferroni. Yeah, Dave Ferroni. For me, you know, I love Akitsiania, how he runs down the wing and causes this year. You can, you know, really see oh, the, the worry. You know, that, that's exciting. It's got a sort of a, a visual sort of tangible. excitement. Yeah, tangible excitement that comes into the, the, the crowd as he gets the ball and runs. The Northern Booster factor, as it says. <laughs> yeah, it's a different sort of hair phenomenon, I or, think. Or if, uh, for, if our older listeners, the Rod Thomas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what I love about Ferroni is, is almost the, the thought that you can sort of see behind his play. There is a lot more going on there uh, in terms of just the, I love a great cross field pass that meets the mark and gets things going. Absolutely love it. Um, so he's definitely my favourite new boy. Jason. Your new favourite boy. Well, I'm going to go then for Lewis McGugan. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think he's obviously got uh, a talent that. With his dead ball delivery, certainly his free kicks, uh, he's got a great shot on him. Um, but he's also got a bit of skill and talent as well. We saw the goal he scored against uh, Doncaster, yeah. sort of picking the ball up, driving forwards, and then the chip over the, the badly placed goalkeeper, as he said. Got the goal against Bournemouth as well, sort of playing, and it was a good move between the three midfielders. Yeah, yeah. Shannon worked well as a team, and I think that's the way he. There's, a lot of good things about him and I was a bit concerned when we signed him because Forrest I was talking to uh, a Forrest fan last season he wasn't getting in their starting 11 he would fade in and out of games and there's that worry would he be the same for us and, and I hadn't seen much of that last year my only worry is he had a slight issue with his first touch in the Cheltenham game a bit of poor control but then the whole team didn't really play well that week and he does look like a, a, a quality championship midfielder and I think when Abdi's back who I think is more likely to, to drive the team forward quicker, which I think we've been we've been lacking a bit at home so far this season. Certainly when Abdi's not playing, I think as an attacking pairing in centre midfield, uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing him work as a tandem. We so said last year Abdi is definitely deserving of a starting place. McGugan alongside him, he's an answer for me. Jason's doing that really heavy gesture again, like he's really being forced and meaning what he's saying. I'm loving it, Mark. I think he's excited. I'm loving it. There's life in the old talk yet. I am, <laughs> I am excited. 
Well, the, you know, other players we sort of, you know, we, we, we mentioned about the new boys, you know, Fabrini's doing really well. Acuna, unfortunately, is hobbling at the moment. Has just scored his first goal. Haven't seen a lot of him. Fabrini, a little bit more we've seen of, and, you know, he is a, a wily player, which I really like. Belkeling, we've still not played a huge number of minutes. So, it, uh, yeah, there's more to come. But out of the returners, let's say, people who played for Watford before this season, my favourite returner, I'm going to steal this one, I'm going to go for Kitchiania. I remember being sat here watching the, uh, the League Cup game against Bradford last year. I think it was almost his first, his first game. Oh, oh. Yeah, a lot of space there, Cunha. Um, watching that game, and it's almost his first game, and thinking, oh, well, you know, he's a bit quick, isn't he? But there's, there was a lack of there. And then his role he played in the last game, few games of the season, especially in that game, that goal, that Dini goal, that control he did to really add something to it. He gets the ball now and he starts running and you can hear the whole crowd go, yeah, oh, oh, go on. He's electric. He's electric. And I think he's really, he's really come on leaps, leaps and bounds. I think he's obviously had the international call-up with fans yeah. giving confidence. And, he, you know, he he's obviously enjoys his time. You can tell by his, his tweets. You can tell by his demeanour around the place that he is a man happy in his own skin, happy playing for Watford. He, he's a joy to watch and, and I think he's enjoying his football and that, that has been translated to his on-field performances. And I think what I love is people are... You watch, you watch Twitter and you watch the message boards and, and, and all that sort of stuff and people are, fans of other clubs are starting to mention him oh fine, fine, fine you're just Anya fella yeah, yeah, yeah. he looks pretty useful which yeah, let's be honest doesn't really happen with Watford players all that often so great shout I think everyone he's a real real um, fan's favourite and, and it's obvious why it's a great shout can I choose mine now? Right. Jason who's your favourite returner? my favourite returner Sorry. Who did, you, am I the first one to do this? <laughs> Sorry. I mean, have you, have you d- asked him that question? No, no, he's no. next. I've, I've done, done Anya. You've done Anya, okay. <coughs> favourite returner? Um, I think my favourite returner is Joel Ekstrand. Okay. Uh, Have you said Joel? We haven't yet, and, and that's why I'm excited because I think there's a lot more to come from him. I think uh, as a defender, we, he made his introduction um, a few months into the season, last season at Charlton, Charlton away game, and I think he's just grown and grown in stature. Um, and again, we sort of talked about uh, a much better squad, and I think certainly from a defensive point of view. We, we're certainly much better set up this season and uh, I'm really pleased that Jarlison has come back I think it's going to be important to that that back three uh, I was going to say pairing then but that doesn't work does it? <laughs> the back three triumvirate this season <laughs> good <laughs> Mike now it's your go oh, who is your favourite returner I'm going to have to tell mine am I no. yeah, yeah it's your go thanks very much uh, well as you know I'm a bit of an academic <laughs> so uh, I think the person I'm going to choose is the professor Alman Abdi. Um, he's been he's been missing the last couple of games, and I think I think that's a big reason why we haven't been perhaps our fluent self. Maybe maybe, maybe uh, his strength is he hasn't played as many games this year. Has he been uh, pushing into the team? Maybe not. But you can see him missing almost. Yeah, exactly. I was trying. I was explaining Abdi's influence to to a mate the other day, and just saying how he's the guy. He's the kind of pull to string. He can see the ball. He can unpick. 
he can unpick these congested sort of midfields and, and play that pass. He's, um, he's a cut above and has been uh, ever since he called on a Watford shirt, so uh, he remains my favourite player. He's got that sort of mischievous um, sort of look in his eye as well, who, who knows he can sort of, he holds the key to any game of football. And uh, yeah, I think he's, he's been a big miss while he hasn't been in the team, but thrilled to have him back as a, as a full time Watford player. Uh, a player that we should, uh, I don't think we need to mention, is Procieri, maybe. You know, it's always easy to fit the strikers. I'm glad we didn't. But uh, he really has come on uh, in maturity in the last last year from where he was and where he is. He certainly seems to be a, a cooler calm ahead and really causes some issues for everyone whenever we, whoever he plays against. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think he's another one we mentioned earlier who's enjoying his football and that's, that's clearly the case with Forestieri. I think he like, he did lack a bit of maturity last year and unfortunately that did all. Good effort from distance um, That's it. It has shown itself occasionally. I think on Charlton, again, in the Charlton game there was a couple of um, sort of quite agricultural challenges from Charlton players, the ref didn't necessarily give them, give them and I know and uh, and Forestier, he, he must have run a good sort of 40-50 yards to put in a very, very reckless frustrated challenge, so still, oh! great effort from Murray there the corner. Um, so there's still signs of it with, with, with Forestier, as you rightly say worth pointing out, he's come on and he's um, he's going to be a great great player, for, hugely valuable on the pitch and, and he's box office off it, the fans loving and um, again what a great player to have as a Watford player brilliant brilliant but what are certainly on the attack and trying to get through this is going over third test of the keeper last couple of minutes good, good beginning for the second half hi I'm Ketchy Anya and you're listening to from the Recruiting what a goal we have just seen from Dave Ferroni. I'm not saying I know my football boys, but I did pick him as my favourite new Watford player. Good goal, Mike. Some strike, yeah, on the edge of the box. He's just absolutely hammered it, and that's, uh, yeah, well, uh, if you haven't seen it, we want to look forward to seeing... Uh, Oh, yeah, the screen now. He's just outside the D when he whacks it. Top left hand corner. in the top left hand corner. It, Jason, it wasn't quite the, uh, the the range that that Chalabon goal had uh, against Leicester last year, was it? But it, it was wasn't. No, good. and it didn't go in off the underside of the crossbar, thus accentuating the uh, the ball hit in the back of the net when it bounced back in. But it, but it was a great finish. Put exactly where the keeper couldn't get to it. It was a good effort by the keeper to save it, but it was that, that little bit of space between him and the crossbar uh, that he found in the top corner. Yeah. He, he's, been, uh, he's been getting his range in for, for a good couple of minutes now. He's about his third attempt, I think, there on a, a long range hit. And he, he's starting to hit that one uh, uh, slightly. But it's all right, uh, it's all right. We know we've got uh, Josh... Josh McEquand in uh, on loan. Lots of people wanted uh, uh, Chalobah to come back. You know, we heard that you know Chelsea were putting him out on loan again, and he ended up at Forest again. Lots of people saying we need him; he's important. Yeah, I think I, I think I was very very keen to get Chalobah back if at all possible. He was the one that I felt we were going to miss him and Vidra. Vidra's place. Vidra's a different a different argument altogether. But Chalobah was was going to be a big miss for us. He got his well deserved contract at Chelsea. Five years, thirty five grand a year. Uh, we we do, yeah. Understanding, <laughs> yeah. it's a lot more than that. Um, I was talking about my butler's ways there for a minute, <laughs> forgetting myself. Sorry. Um, and yeah, it became quickly became apparent that Chelsea wanted the loaning club to pay as much of our wage as possible, and that meant we were out of the out of the running really. And and yeah, a lot of people were disappointed. And I heard a lot of people saying, "Look, Chalabar could could have made a difference. We should have broken the bank." But of course, that's not what the Pozzos do. The Pozzos don't break the bank, and certainly not. 
for an 18, 19-year-old um, midfielder who's not going to be our own player. So it's not that we're suffering in the midfield, is it? No, well, of course not. But I don't think people can pick and choose the aspects of the Pozzo project that they that they want to hang their hat on. It's all or nothing, and you know they're doing a good job just because it's a decent player. Don't expect them to change their mind. Don't expect them to bend. Uh, and while I'd love to see Talibar in, in this Watford side, I'm, I'm delighted that they didn't because, you know, it just shows they're strong, they're not going to budge, they know what they're doing, they've delivered success for Udinese, they've delivered success at Granada, and they're hell-bent on doing it here. They will do it their way, uh, and there's a banner over there to my left that says, in the pot says we trust, and, and, and we have to. Um, you know, we've, we've spoken a little bit about the grumblings and, and the moaning and, and, and so on and so forth, don't get me wrong, football supporters are absolutely entitled yes. to say exactly what they think. If they think a player hasn't played well, they've got to say it. If they think that they'd rather that we spend a lot of money on a player, then say it. That's absolutely fine. Um, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Um, you've heard mine. Um, and I think the key thing is to go back and just always, always remember that we have where we've come from and where we're going. It's a journey and try and enjoy it. We're the Orns. You're the Orns. Stopping the game coming into for Norwich. We're six minutes or so into this game now. What's going to happen about this so called second choice Watford team in the league? Norwich came through. It's funny, I came up, walked out to the game with my brother, talking about the game, and I said to him, I wonder if. You'd expect Norwich, Premier League team, to come at us, whereas other teams have played season have sort of sat back and we found it hard to, to break down defensive teams. I was hoping that we, it would suit our game, that they would come at us and we could play them on the break. Um, I think quite panned out like that in the first half. Norwich was very good in possession, created a lot of chances, were the better team. We were ahead by a good goal. Yeah, I think when that goal went in, we did actually sort of then take control of the game. But before the goal, by far they were. Yeah, even then, the Norwich were still creating the better chances after after that as well, and even the start here. But again, another spectacular goal, and that came from a counter attack. Started with Fabrini breaking down the left. Dini had a good chance. Keeper saved it. They tried to get out. We won the ball in the midfield. They were pushing players, but we then sort of exploited the space. There was loads of space for Fabrini to run into and had loads of time to unleash that shot into the top corner and since the goal again they've been leaving gaps at the back and we've been we've been looking good coming forwards um, and who knows there might be another goal in it for us well we, we have been looking good as a football team but one thing in our stadium Jason that hasn't been looking good for a little bit of time is the East Stand the main stand details start coming out that we're going to get a new stand 3,000 seats a permanent structure Soda has said this could be a way of attracting more players. We knew that it was going to be uh, it would be on the cards when the demand was there. We've been averaging over fifteen and a half thousand at our championship games this season. Are you are you believed that it's finally happening? I think I read someone else saying this uh, on social media somewhere this week. I'll believe it when I see it. Um, again, we we know it's not quite that, is it? We know the. Uh, all about the Potsos now, these guys in charge. We know what they've, how they've developed Udinese and Granada as football clubs. Not just how they've developed the team, how they've developed their, the, the football clubs. And this is one of those things where we see they are investing in Watford for the Chiefs as a football club, building the, the uh, East Stand, something that 
we've been promised the, what the last ten years oh. we've, been, we've been through various different uh, plans that have come and gone, and finally it looks like we're actually getting that full side of our ground sources. And we will, I think the good thing about this one is that you know, a contract has been signed. You know, it's, it's actually underway rather than this is what the plan is. It's, it's, it's a bit more desperate, but it's, it's going to be fantastic this East Sound, isn't it? Like, everyone's going to be really excited about it. Well, they could be, but again, we've had a few, <laughs> rough, a few rough things that people are sort of a bit surprised that 3,000 is, is the figure that's mentioned. Well, that would take up, that would probably take us up to just under 20,000, 19,000 if, if full. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I think. I mean, historically, if you, you know, if you want to look at it with a purely statistical head-on, if you look back through through Watford's attendance figures, even in the two pre- in, in the, the two recent years we've been in the Premier League and going back to our successful period in the 80s, the, the crowds were never, never really that big. And, and I know football's changed a lot. And but, but looking at the two two recent forays into the Premier League, very, very rarely sold out. So. I know people, the, the, the goalposts have changed and people have, have reset their sights and people are, you know, talking about Premier League and then we're talking about what do we do when we're in the Premier League? Do we move on? Do we get into Europe, for heaven's sake? So, um, yeah, there are a few people slightly surprised it's only a 3,000-seater, but as, as you and Jason were just discussing, this has been something that's been in the pipeline for years and years and years and years. I think there's just a sense of relief um, that something that something's happening, and it's just another thing that adds to it's another layer of excitement, another thing that's happening around our football club that is positive, another thing that has been delivered by our owners who are prepared to put money and effort and time and expense into our football club for our benefit. We're going to reap the rewards. Um, so Richard Walker did say to us when he was on the last podcast, he was saying just how limited the choices are. We know we've got the highest ever season tickets outside of the, you know, outside the Premier League season. Um, you know, home games are selling out. There is only limited view that we've got left over. So there is there is a demand there. I, I don't think we're going to necessarily fill the fill the stand every time. And I think that's why three thousand sort of seems like the right sensible number to do. I would like to know though is if they're only doing three thousand. That's not going to be a huge huge stadium a stand to say. But may, is there potential to add either another tier? Is there potential to, to, to add more to it in, in the next few years if we, uh, we go even further. That's a huge There is frustration within the Norwich team. Just like broken through and uh, pulled down on the edge of, edge of the box. But yeah, I think the 3,000 figure is one that has been, has been banded around a little bit. I think it's a minimum of 3,000, and I think I've read somewhere that there is a, um, there is a possibility to extend it. So, but we haven't seen the details yet. Apparently, no. Watford's ever going to have the first visuals, the first, you know, the, the full details of what this thing might look like on the, on the east side of, a, of Vicarage Road. It's, it's exciting. I remember we spoke to, to Graham Taylor and we've spoken to Stuart Timpley uh, in podcast past, and, and we were lucky enough to be in there. Uh, I think it was the director's box, weren't we? And they were saying that they hate, 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 hate looking out and looking back across and seeing the East End. So there's generations of, of Watford fans, of Watford players and, and Watford people who will be delighted this is happening. Um, and I'm excited to see it. I'm sure the Watford fans are. And let's just wait and see the details. And, it'll, and you know, like I say, it's just another, another exciting part of, of what's happening here. It's just good news after good news. Now on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Rickerend, uh, we asked your suggestions for what the new look east stand slash main stand to be called. One of Mr. Bettina's parking promises uh, was to call it the Graham Taylor stand. Uh, and we have many, many suggestions. Lots of them saying, you know, paying tribute to, to Elton or to 
to, to, uh, to, to Graham. Um, they included. Uh, there was the, the Foxo family stand uh, by Nicholas Smith. There was the Joel X stand by Steve Weiber. Very good, Steve. In tribute to Elton John, the I'm still standing. There was the uh, Jamie <laughs> stand by, uh, by Mike. That was very good, that one. <laughs> Uh, there's the Elton John Taylor Made Stand by Kevin Hammonds. The uh, quite uh, topical for, for Watford related is the In Two Stand uh, from Ronnie uh, Pickman. Uh, the Don't Sit Stand from Watford Steve. Uh, the Devon White Stand, based on the number of shots he missed it over that particular side of the ground. That's from Warren Bolt. Bolt. The Perry Digweed Permanent Stand. From Joe Bridge. And, and the About Bloody Time Stand from Andrew Arnold. There's one that I got on Twitter that I, I quite recently in fact quite liked it. It's called, and they said it should be called the, uh, the Micah Hyde side. <laughs> oh, I like that. No one, no one liked my Stephen Hughes stand in the middle of the centre for 90 minutes. <laughs> but what we're doing is we want to put a, a bit of a special for 100 objects about the East Stand. We want to hear your memories of the East Stand. Um, there's a hashtag going on Twitter, hashtag East Stand memories. But we want you to, to send in your, your ideas so we can put them on the podcast. So go to bronze.com and click on the green button on the right. It says upload audio, share recording, and, uh, and send us a little message. Exactly like Jay Richardson did. The only time I went in the main stand was for reserve games in the late 1970s. What I liked about it was that it gave you a close-up of some ridiculous incidents. So there was a home game against, I think, Peterborough United. And it was in the days when there were benches along the touchlines for the manager, the trainer and the sub to sit on. The ball rolled off the pitch and rolled behind the, the bench. And uh, all the people on the bench leaned back to try and reach the ball. And over it went and tipped them all on their asses. It's very fun. More of those memories, and we're going to put together a special podcast. Remember, a very special sound, a lot to do in the history of what we're doing. A podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans. This is from the referee end. So as uh, we get in the end of extra time, Norwich is with a third goal. We get 3 2 to Norwich, and looks like that's, uh, that's it for the Capital One Cup for the season. Who cares? It's not like the league, is it, Mike? It looks that way. I mean, it was. Um uh, it's a tough to take between we shipped one right at the end of normal time literally the last touch of the game and then we've just got to let one in right at the end of, of extra time as well well I think the, the difference though since this, you know, this you know, lesser last half an hour of, uh, of the game maybe and uh, the 90 is the fact that you know we, we, we need another substitute and there have been a couple of really heavy feet out there yeah we, we oh wait across there from Danny and yeah, we look absolutely disgusted out there. I mean, you pointed out Murray, you also noticed that Tokyo has picked up the knock, he's hobbling around. Um, he's, they do look absolutely shattered. I mean, we've had to make some early substitutions. Yeah, yeah. Smith had to come on. Dini uh, as well, fairly early. And, and some Zola's hand has been forced in that manner, which is going to help. And also the, psycho- the psychological damage of conceding a goal with the last touch of the game as well. Oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that one had done particularly when you look at, obviously we've still got quite a lot of young players out there, particularly that midfield with Smith, Murray and the Tokyo, all young lads. That would have hurt the mental side of things as much as the physical side of things. 
So, unfortunately, uh, one of the young men who had the best game in the world uh, was, uh, was Jonathan Bond, getting three goals in, but you know, not all his fault, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. He made some good turns early on. He's, uh, he's got a good future, Jonathan uh, We got to speak to him uh, after the Bournemouth game uh, last uh, month, uh, and uh, this is the interview we have with him, and Mike Cross had to ask him about such games like this and the opportunities when they come, they come to him. Obviously, getting promoted is the, is the aim. How important are games like this, though? How important are cup runs, FA Cup, Capital, uh, Capital One Cup? How important are they for the team? Well, I think for the squad, it's very important, obviously, to get game time and the players that maybe not are in the starting 11 every week, and eventually everyone will sort of take, like, take part in the, in the season. So it's good for game time, and also there's no reason why we can't go all the way in the cup. Um, last season, we got knocked out, I think, first round in both. Um, so you know we wanted to rectify that a little bit and do well in both cups this year. You've just got your second England Under 21 call up. Um, you played for Wales before. Was that was that quite a hard decision, or were you able to make that switch? Yeah, it was. Obviously, it was a, it was something I talked about with my family for a long time. At the time, I wasn't I wasn't being selected for Wales, and I was sort of on standby for a few squads, and I got sort of interest from England and. Then I had to sit down with my family and eventually made that decision. I was born in England and I've always been sort of supporting England from when I was younger. So I feel, if you want to say more English than, than Welsh. Mm. How, how does that sort of internet? You say there was interest. How does that sort of manifest itself? Do you get a phone call from from a, a coach or England report, or how does it work? A phone call or um, just word of mouth as well. You just hear things and um, eventually, uh, yeah, I, I heard from. Uh, sort of the goalkeeping department from England but um, it was still something I didn't take lightly and it wasn't a, a straightforward decision at all. There was a lot of talk at one stage in the, in the press, I don't know if you remember, about uh, Mr Almunia maybe switching allegiance to, uh, to yeah. England. Have you mentioned that to him? No, I remember it the other day and I never brought it up with him. Um, there he is now. But, uh, I, I don't know, he's the most Spanish guy I've ever met. So <laughs> What's it like uh, working with a, such a great goalkeeper like Almunia and the experience that he's got? It really is. It's brilliant. Every day I learn something new. It's not just you know, a cliche like we say, I literally do learn something new all the time. Um, he's got so much experience. He's played in the Champions League final and uh, he's played in the FA Cup finals. Everything. So not at the end of his career, but he's um, he's, he's certainly learned as much as you can learn. I think, and he's, I'm trying to learn as much as I can off him. Although Manu might have that experience, he doesn't. You know, he doesn't coach me unless. I ask him some, some tips or, or, or things like that. It's a very professional environment. And, and then if I ask him, he's more than happy to, to you know, advise me on, on small things. But yeah. no, no one's going to treat you with anything but respect. John, John, Johnson's <laughs> towering above us. Your Watford career is relatively young, so you're not tarnished by this brush. But as long-standing Watford fans, we've been used to seeing some calamitous defending at Vickery Road. Um, how does it feel playing behind people like Joel Ekstrand, Marco Cassetti, um, SAI who's come in tonight. It feels like when our defensive unit is now pretty strong, probably up there in the division. How does, how's that for you? Yeah, I think so. I think it's also important because last season it wasn't particularly strong. We were sort of having to score more goals than the other team and however many, like, there was many goals going in. So um, it's something that if we could have um, improved this season from last season, that would be one of, the, one of the things. And, you know, in the end it can make you three or four points better off than we would have gone up. So, um, yeah, like you say, with, with the new signings, Angela and, and Belkalem, uh, everyone settled in really well, obviously Rich Brown as well. And then from last season, Joel and, uh, and Marco, so uh, Lloyd, of course, is a, is a legend here. And, um, yeah, I'm sorry if I missed anyone out of the top of my head, but uh, it is really a strong defence. You've got so much 
competition and choice in, in each of the positions, and even the wing backs as well uh, work hard defensively. So, but I think the gaffer he, he makes he makes sure that he makes it clear that there are no just defenders and no attackers. He likes the whole team to defend, and the whole team to attack together. You're probably going to answer if I ask this question, probably say Schmeichel. But who was your hero? No, no. no. Who, was hero, who, who was your hero growing up? Kudelski. As a reason, I was a goalkeeper. I was a Chelsea fan, and I still am really. But I used to go to all the games, and Gudicini used to be in goal. And yeah, he was the reason I liked goalkeeping in the first place. And then, as soon as he left, another another one to watch was Petr Cech, and I was still young and watch, watching the games when he was playing. So um, both of those goalkeepers, um, not just because they were Chelsea, I think they were actually they were actually top goalkeepers. But um, yeah, I'd say those two. There's no, there's no need to emulate Peter Cech by getting smashed in the face at the end of last season. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you know, you, you're a tall you yeah, said you're quite tall. When you're your kids, were you always were you always tall, like tallest in the class? Uh, tallest in the class, probably. I wasn't freakishly tall. I was maybe I was like six foot one when I was fourteen, fifteen, which is quite tall. <laughs> Saying that, maybe I was. At school, did you always get put in goal? Cause you no, 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 no. I really always. I still do fancy myself out of field. <laughs> uh, I, I, I wouldn't say I enjoy it more, but when I was at school, you know, I never really wanted to be put in goal. I wanted to, to play out of field and just run around and, and do stuff so I thought in goal was quite boring but then when you play at a high standard you can really enjoy it there's more, sh- there's more shots and quality coming at you and um, it's something I, I enjoy immensely now So how did you end up being in goal then if you preferred to play as a striker what, yeah. what was the uh, Well I was, I was, mid- was a midfielder or a striker in, um, in my, well, I was a midfielder in my uh, Sunday league team and then one season the goalkeeper like, like it always happens like this the goalkeeper dropped out we didn't have a goalkeeper and um, the, the manager who I know well and also um, has links in with Watford Dennis Elliott asked you know, to, put, to put me in goal and he tested me out a few, in his back garden funnily enough and uh, then he said you're in goal and it was about five six games in and uh, Watford came to scatter me um, with, uh, What's your favourite sort of thing way to save? Is it a penalty? Is it a, a long shot from distance or is it like a really quick save from a close range shot? Uh, I like the long shots to be honest I don't know I like, I think it's more acrobatic and you can make it look. You can make it look nice. Yeah. <laughs> the TV. And is that a favourite moment in your career so far? Holloway last season was a good win. There was a lot of pressure on that game, and also when I was younger, I scored for Wales on 17. Yeah. It always sticks out. It was a nice goal as well. <laughs> would you have, Would you have saved it? <laughs> no, no chance. <laughs> it was a great finish. And obviously, so hopes for this season. How's it going to win? Promotion. It's got. We've got to be aiming at that and nothing less. Uh, automatic promotion. Um, you know, we finished third last season. We've improved this season, so I don't know why that can't sort of manifest itself into the into the league table. And is that promotion with Manu sitting on the bench? <laughs> Wherever we're, we're always <laughs> as competitive as possible. So whoever's doing a good job for the team, I'm sure the gaffer will put him in goal. And stop me if I'm being too personal, but we're just going to Marco Cassetti. You can't have a photo of Jonathan Bond without people commenting on the magical hair. Yeah, yeah. People like talking about your hair. Very well styled. Nice product. Yeah. What product is it? How long does it take? Do <laughs> <laughs> you want to know these things? No, no one wants to know that. No. <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> it's hair jealousy, yeah. hair envy. Oh, just plenty of oil. Plenty of oil. In it. No, <laughs> I don't know. It's just I like to play around with it a little bit. Isn't it? change it I think it's good while, you, while, you, while I have it anyway
My coca says he's better than JT. A podcast made by Watford fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. It's uh, Saturday now. We've just left Rickard Road after a 1-0 win uh, for the Hornets uh, against Wigan. It was really good. Uh, we spent some time this afternoon with the, uh, the New York Hornets. John, it was your first trip to England to see a football match. How was it? Well, it was, it was a lot of fun, you know, and uh, I was really interested in learning a lot about the opposition and learning a lot of interesting facts about Wigan. And um, some of the things circulating through our section were that Wigan is uh, known to have the most transsexuals in any other town in the entire <laughs> United Kingdom and uh, most sexually transmitted diseases. Just It sounds like a really awful place. And, you know, it, it translated into the, the, their style of play, trying to play what I would call like Italian style of football and falling down and trying to bait for penalties and so on. And it was really nice to see the the local supporters uh, voicing out against that really, you know, aggressively. Because there's one thing I don't like being an American football fan uh, and watching uh, European football is, you know, these guys pussyfooting around and pretending to be hurt. You know, it's just no fun to watch. You know? It's a hard man gridiron, isn't it? No, no, definitely not. But, but the way you guys play is an aggressive style, and I appreciate that. You know, no crybaby attitude. Well done. And Christian, your first uh, first game in England? Yeah. And what, England. what do you think? I liked it. I liked the supporters were out there. We just scored a goal late. And uh, it was my first game, my first Watford game. I really enjoyed it. It was a good time. Who stood out for you? Uh, number 12, actually. He, okay. He, you know, we got to see a lot of him. He got the ball. Apparently only scored twice ever, uh, from yeah. what I understand. But, uh, you know, he played well. Yeah, Lloyd's a, a bit of a legend. Yeah. Around here. And Felix, how about you? Oh, it's good. It's good to come back. And Hang on. Get, uh, you're not, not American. No, you're not. So we can talk proper for English football then. Of course. So yeah, what yeah. do you think was good about that game, Felix? Um, I thought it was good that we hung in there. We started playing well in the back today. Um, there's a few times where we looked like we were just doing what we'd done the last couple of years, which was, you know, fall asleep for 10 minutes. It's good to see him snap back out of it and carry on, you know, pressurising. And the Tokyo's finish was beautiful. Bottom corner, outside, bang. And it's annoying he got a yellow card. He went and, went and hugged his dad, by the looks of it. I always think that's annoying. Yeah, I mean, you saw him running over and we were wondering which member of his family was going to come down to celebrate with him. And come on, I mean, don't give him a yellow card for that. Which I mean, if his dad had come to him, then his dad would have been arrested. Yes, exactly. Was, well, off the pitch, one on the pitch, so who knows. Exactly. Uh, I'm sure he would have taken the arrest. Yeah, his son's <laughs> yeah. so nice. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed the game. New York Hornets, if there are any other New Yorkers listening, how can they sort of get involved and come meet up with other Watford fans? Uh, so we watch all our games at Legends down the Football Factory. Follow us on Twitter, it's at Watford NYC. Or on Facebook, we've got a group as well, pretty easy to find. We meet every time there's a game and, you know, it's a good crew. Stay tuned, we'll see the NFL tomorrow. Uh, so have a good time there. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, climb aboard the Zola Coaster with From the Rookery End. Scream if you want to go faster! I've got, I've got three complaints about that game, Michael. Have you? Whinging toe right? One, Joel Actrans is not wearing black boots anymore. Oh no, come on, Joel. They're colourful boots. I, I love them. Two, I don't know why, but I noticed the fact that the Watford players, none of them, None of them had their shirt tucked in, yeah. apart from Manuel Amunia. I don't mind it so much if you're, if you're a relatively short player. So, Chris really? Patuccio, Christian Damien Patuccio, you're allowed. 
Gabriel Angela, tuck it in, son. You just look a bit. I mean, he was amazing today. Yeah, Absolutely yeah. monumental, what a player. Uh, but tuck your shirt. Okay, so let's actually get to the nitty gritty. Well, so hang on, you said you had three oh, complaints. Three get it off your chest, otherwise um, you'll be miserable all the way home. Then not staying on his feet of uh, Lewis McGugan. Okay. That's my third. So a couple of interesting sort of uh, challenges in that game today, and uh, I thought what Watford could have given away a penalty on stage when the guy went over under Lloyd, and then I thought Ben Watson should probably have been sent off because he, yeah, he yeah. went in the book and then he. Um, uh, put in a pretty uh, agricultural challenge and he, I think he probably should have gone but yeah it's quite interesting Wigan very good side I thought yeah. um, Watford um, started very well in the first half I thought and it was quite good fun because Wigan were quite and Watford were quite well matched they were both going for it both trying to play decent football so the ball was flying around a bit and waves going forward waves with Wigan going forward it's quite enjoyable to start with but it, it petered out quite quickly and uh, well it, both for me both sides didn't didn't quite have the, the final third maybe you know Wigan more than us but there's, there's, there was no sort of great strikers out there today I thought that Watford looked like um, a lot of their players looked like they were at 75% I just yeah. thought there was a lot of misplaced passes which has actually been a sort of uh, recurring theme this season so far lots of and I know that that's because they you know they're almost too relaxed it's a joy to watch the team stroking the ball and when it works it, it works but Lot, a lot of misplaced passes and often they're, they're in dangerous situations and giving, we're gifting, um, gifting the opposition ways back in when really we shouldn't. Our game is based on keep the ball, keep the ball, keep the ball. It doesn't matter if we're not doing anything with it at that precise moment. Eventually something will happen and we'll go. We've got the players who, can, who are, will beat a man, will, will make that bit of space, make that unexpected run and, and we'll be in but we do need to keep the ball and uh, I think there's too many, too many misplaced passes today and it did look like a lot of them were at 75 but again this Watford side you're never out of it we today we brought on Farioni yeah. we brought on Patoccio who went on to, on, on to score with a, with a lovely finish and we brought on Fabrini who, who showed, showed glimpses of being able to unlock what was a very stubborn Wigan side at that stage you know the second half I was just thinking how um, Scott Carson has been an absolute you know he was just a, a, a spectator really as he was when the goal went in which was good, <laughs> good for us but he didn't have a save to make if we're, if we're honest so Again, lots of positives um, in terms of performance. We're far from the complete performance, but quite frankly, we're, you know, three points in the bag, yeah, yeah. up to fourth, building up a nice little bit of momentum. Super squad players coming in and doing a bit when they come in on, on a substitute. So again, we haven't we haven't delivered the complete performance, but we've delivered three points. So absolutely no complaints from me. And I guess again, a, a team like Wigan, you know, you were taking that, you wanted that to be uh, a game that we against a team who you might think and should be after being relegated competing at the top and we are getting results out of it not just yeah. you know, getting wins out of those games they'll be Black- up there everything. oh yeah and we've got Blackburn in the week I think maybe hey we get six points out of those two games against big good sides then it's, it's oh, the I'm next not. defining moment in this season for no, us. It's like, much, I'm not I'm just saying it's, you know we can, we can beat the Bournemouth of this world 6-1 every single week but it's not always going to get promoted when we play the bigger teams and if we can get results um, even if they are just one nils against the the form teams, and that's apt, that's what we're going to have to do to be promoted. And we sit in fourth place if the league actually means anything yet. No, I, I don't quite. think the league does. But uh, the three points, another three points, another three points. You know, we've lost one league game. Yeah. So undefeated by one. And then that game, <laughs> and the game we should have won. So again, could, I thought the crowd good good effort again today. So this thing starting to happen. The eighteen eighty one really starting to make a difference. We thought about singing at a football game, but what for game you don't. 
do it. Because it, it soon catches on. There was a couple of times today when it almost caught fire a little bit and the, and the rookery almost started bouncing a little bit in, in a game which didn't necessarily lend itself to, no, it didn't get to, to getting the, the atmosphere going. And we're, we're definitely on the verge of something here at Watford. It's, it's, um, it's, again, it's a slow burn, but it's like a firework with a really long fuse, I think <laughs> is the best way of describing it. But, uh, so we're all sit, huddled around the bonfire waiting for it to go off, but I've got no doubt that it will, and it will be spectacular when it does. OK, thank you uh, to uh, Jonathan Bond for the interview. Um, uh, thank you to the New York Hornets for, for getting involved as well. Great seeing and meeting Hornets fans from uh, around the world. It's uh, one of the best things I've done this podcast, that has been. Uh, thank you to Jason, who hasn't been here today at, at the Wooden Games. Thank you to Mike. There he is. There's Joel Letchman. You can go and ask him out for his black boots. Joel! Oh, I'm going. Yeah, right, um, uh, we'll see you at the beginning of November for our next podcast. Come on, yours. Alman Abdi is there and he's walking well, I can report. Alman Abdi is reporting that he's walking well. Come on, you hoods! <laughs>